Welcome to the Fear to Fortitude podcast. I'm your host, Coach Latavia Renee, the Fortitude Coach. And with me today, I have special guest, Mr. Carl Berry, and I will allow him to introduce himself before we get started. Mr. Berry. Hello. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Carl Berry. I'm with the Community Care Resource Council here in Dallas, Texas. I'm the founder and CEO. And what we do is we work with governments, sometimes even internationally, uh, facilitating connectivity between those that are trying to find help and those that provide help. We also work with all faith and all healthcare. That's awesome. We're kind of um, doing the same thing in different arenas. So like I think of myself as the bridge uh, for people who are looking for help that may need a coach or they may need a counselor, a therapist or, or a fitness trainer or what have you. And so the purpose of this podcast is to be the bridge for those people to find what they need and also to provide the insight on how they can overcome their fears if it's fear that's holding them back for reaching out for what they need. We want to be able to bridge that gap and connect the two. So I feel like we are uh, divinely connected here. We're both in the right place at the right time. So thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you. Uh, uh, I love that word divine. Yeah. <laughs> so first question that I have for you, most people uh, answer this question pretty much the same, but I would like to see if, if you agree with the consensus of what it means or if there's something that you'd like to add. So the first question is that most people say that fortitude or courage is to experience the fear, but do the thing that you're afraid to do anyway. So it's really just the, it's not the absence of fear, uh, most would say. You experience the fear, but you don't let it stop you. I'd love to know what you would add to that. Well, that's the way I define it. It's actually uh, action in the face of fear. I use the analogy of San Juan Hill. Uh, they were fighting a battle and the enemy was at the top of the hill. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that they were courageous as they were, had to be uh, active, proactive to go up the hill in the face of the uh, battle and the bullets and all of that. And so for me, uh, it is courage is action in the face of fear. Right. And what a wonderful example. There's no denying that they must have experienced fear as they were heading up that hill. But in yes. order to get where they were going, in order to even have a chance of success, they had to put action into the process anyway, in spite of that fear. So thank you for that example. I would love to know what sparked you to start the journey on becoming who you are today and serving the people that you serve today. It goes back to uh, inspiration as a child. Mm -hmm. I had a very attentive Sunday school teacher that treated the kids like a peer. And I was encouraged to seek to serve and help others. Mm -hmm. And the one constant in my life since childhood was a desire uh, to be benefit and to help other people, to be a servant, a uh, servant leader even. And so that's what got me started. That's what fuels me today. Awesome. How can people get involved with what you're doing? How can they offer their service and their assistance? 
Well, uh, it's real easy. They can uh, actually become what I call a resource provider mm -hmm. uh, with Community Care Resource Council. There is no fee involved. Uh, we can be reached. I'm looking at my business card at usccrc.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you can contact me at email at help at usccrc.com. Uh, uh, we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, and uh, we have a phone number, 800 number, which is 844-3811. Uh, uh, and uh, a direct line is 469-661-CCRC. Uh, you can go on there, click a link, you become a resource provider, and you get to declare what you want to do. Uh, mm -hmm. We work mainly in mental health platforms, okay. but most people don't realize that substance use, homelessness, uh, re-entry, and uh, going to jail, all of these things really are impacted, are impacted by uh, mental health. Yeah. And a lot of people go to jail not because they were criminals, but because they did something not so wise. So um, we love uh, anybody that wants to help, wants to help and serve the community uh, to give us a call. And we have people around the world that do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Who do you serve in the community that you're a part of? What is the common thread that you see in the people who need the services that you all provide? Well, the operative word you just used is need. Mm -hmm. uh, because of what we do working with uh, governments, faith, and health care, mm -hmm. uh, and working with the individual or the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, organizations need clients. Uh, clients need help. A lot of people need money. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people need assistance. A lot of people need support. A lot of people need guidance. We strive to inspire, inform, and impact the lives of people, all people. And we do that in the way of connectivity, kind of like you. We just reach out, get in the middle. Uh, this is Latavia. Uh, this is uh, the, the Church of the Living Hope. Uh, mm -hmm. Y'all going to like each other. And, and I go on. That's what, it, that's what we do. All right. And there's so much power in connection, especially when you're making the right connections. So that's, yes. that's awesome. And divine. And like I, I love it. I love it. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Where does fear play the biggest role in the clients that you serve or even in the people who are in service? Where do you see fear pop its head up in, in your line of work? Uh, well, for I, for my purposes, mm -hmm. uh, I believe in faith mm -hmm. as a response to fear. Yes. And so what I do is I try to devote myself to the needs of others mm -hmm. and to make people feel good about themselves and to make them uh, aware that uh, Whatever they can believe and conceive, they can achieve. Right. Uh, a lot of times, I think people get discouraged 
most of the time by other people. Uh, mm-hmm. The world tells us we can't do it. And uh, I believe that uh, that's a lie. Yeah. I believe that we c- can do what it is we are destined and supposed to do. Now, there are some things that we might not be supposed to do. We're not supposed to be doing them. And those things uh, we will uh, not achieve. You know, I call that trials. Sometimes our trials are uh, opportunities to learn uh, what we're really supposed to know or, or do. So that's my theory. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I'm going to stick with it. Hey, if it works, it's a good theory. (laughs) So um, I love that. I love how you pointed out we might be doing something that isn't the uh, divine calling, if you will, but it is a learning, a part of the learning process on our way to that calling. So even if you're not right in the right place, it doesn't mean that you're not in the right place to learn or something that you would need in the future. Uh, so Correct. I love that you you pointed out, hey, that it's an opportunity to learn whatever the case may be. There's always an opportunity to learn. And and you're, you're right. A lot of us get told all of these things from outside sources and we believe them. And so we believe that we cannot do the very thing that we're created to do. Uh, and it takes, um, we're blessed with people such as yourself who will say to, to say who will say to us, "No, you you are capable of doing this. You are capable of doing anything that you can conceive yourself doing it." And I, I agree with you that the first step is you you got to believe it first. If you can't see you doing it, and if you can't believe that you can do it, you'll likely never get there. But if you can believe that, if you can have faith in yourself and faith in the process and faith in purpose. Uh, and faith in the reason why you're here to begin with, then it's inevitable that you'll make it. That's my coaching. That's good coaching, Latavia. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's some bot sense that I had to get, you know, that's something I learned. That's why it resonated with me so much when you said, you know, sometimes you're doing something that maybe you shouldn't be doing, but you learn. And so I have done a lot of things on my journey Uh, up until this point, and none of those things were wasted time. Everything was something that I learned that I'm using now in the line of work that I'm doing now. So there was no time lost, just just a lot of things learned. So what were the biggest obstacles that you faced in getting out this message to people that you can do the things that, uh, that you were created to do or even getting out the message of the Community Care Response Council? What's the biggest obstacles you faced? Uh, My largest and biggest obstacle has always been Carl. Mm -hmm. I uh, am prone to come up with a good idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm prone to lean to my own understanding. Mm. Uh, I am prone not to respond a uh, wise man seeks the counsel of others. And a lot of times, uh, judgmentalism can really get in our way. Yes. Uh, sooner or later, everybody has something to offer. You're either an example or you're a warning. Hmm. And it 
doesn't mean the level of intelligence, the amount of money you have in the bank, uh, nothing that mankind tends to deem as valuable is really that valuable. Mm. What is valuable is listening to others and considering uh, I'm a religious person, what God's will is for you in that accord. Mm -hmm. I, I once had a guy that had an IQ of 56 that gave me some of the best advice I ever had. Uh -huh. And had I not listened, I would have continued suffering. So I have to overcome my thoughts. I have to overcome my temptations. Uh, temptations are not trials. Temptations are attractions to do things that I know better than I do. A lot of times we violate our own principles. Mm -hmm. uh, and generally out of flesh, out of lust, out of desire, out of uh, uh, money, property, or prestige. Mm -hmm. And what I'm learning is, is that uh, I have to uh, remain humble, and in doing so, that allows me to achieve and to serve and overcome fear. Yes, I love that. There was a lot in that. So yeah, I'm just thinking, being able to realize that you can learn from anyone, to never discount someone's um, advice or someone's wisdom based off of uh, some arbitrary scale of measuring intelligence, if you will, um, but just to know that there is something to be learned from anyone that we encounter. And like you said, that humility allows us to be able to do that. And another thing that's really the backbone of a lot of what I do is removing judgment from the situation. Because if you have judgment, you kind of close yourself off. But the more judgment that you can remove, the more open you are to learning, uh, the more open you are to being able to receive um, goodness and wisdom from anyone that you come in contact with. I always say, um, and I'm sure you've heard this expression before, picking the meat from the bones. So mm -hmm. even if you don't agree with someone 100% or you don't see eye to eye on everything, doesn't mean you can't find some ground for commonality or something that you can learn from one another by looking at something from someone else's point of view. Uh, so there is so much wisdom in, in everything that you just said, especially about removing that judgment um, being able to be open to other people uh, in spite of, of any label that we can place on them. Is there a story of a client that you have encountered that you're able to share about maybe their transformation, uh, the journey from where they started when they first came in contact with your community versus where they were able to get um, through the help that they received? It's interesting that you asked that question because that is one of the major platforms that I work with. Mm -hmm. And that is, I work with uh, substance users and abusers. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, most people don't actually recognize that substance misuse is a family disease. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody thinks if little Johnny would just quit drinking, everything would be all right. Uh, but that's not true. Uh, if uh, Lily Johnny wouldn't be drinking like he's drinking now, if you weren't paying his bills, getting him out of jail, 
uh, paying his car payment because when you pay their bills, you're buying their liquor. And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking of a codependent uh, is what is sometimes called. Uh, the modern terminology calls them pro-dependent. Uh, but what you do is, is you get in the middle and stop people from enabling uh, a person and trying to do for people what they should be doing for themselves. Yes. And there are, is a 12-step program and a recovery program on every corner. But there's very little for the family member, for the wife, for the mother, for the significant other. For the child there's very little help for them and the more people change the more people around them change so what has to happen for the substance abuser the enabler has to stop the enabling process in order from for the substance abuser to quit now i have a lady right now that's part of one of the organizations that i sponsor it's a 15 year old organization and she came in the kind of woman that would go out into risky neighborhoods at three o'clock in the morning looking for her wayward son. Hmm. And she came to understand that uh, it's not her fault. She didn't cause it. She can't change it. And she's not going to cure it. Hmm. And what she has to do is to love him where he's at. Sometimes, in the name of love, we get in God's way. You know, God cares about us. He will uh, chastise those people that he cares about. Yes. You know, but if we're running to get them out of jail, if we're running to uh, pay off their bills, if we're running to deliver them uh, because we feel that's the Christian thing to do or the religious thing to do, uh, what we're doing is uh, convicting them to their own devices. Hmm. And so uh, I think of uh, this lady that's in my heart. Uh, she's been part of the 15-year organization for 11 years. And she no longer sits up at night and worries about her son. She hmm. doesn't uh, give as much credence to the things he does or doesn't do. Uh, she has learned how to be uh, honest, how to be uh, cordial, mm -hmm. um, but we have to understand that honesty without compassion is cruelty. So rather than getting mad, you just, you calmly say, well, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I'd love to help you, but helping you is not helping you. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the examples that we do and that's something that I am working on expanding, frankly, nationwide. Families need help, uh, not just substance abuse. If it's, a, if it's a mental challenge, if it's an educational challenge, if it's anything uh, other than uh, showing love and care and support and honesty in a calm and defined manner, uh, it's out of line. So that's the story I'd, I'd share. Awesome. There was a childhood experience that came to mind to me when I was listening to you. And I can remember when I was learning how to ride a bike, 
Uh, my mom had taken me, I think we were living in Chicago, Illinois at the time. My mom had taken me to the park to learn how to ride my bike. That was a painful experience. The park had like <laughs> little poles like every few feet. And I was so unsteady that I kept falling. <laughs> and I would fall and hit like right on one of these poles, but I would just get back up on this bike and I would keep going and keep going. And I kind of got kind of steady where I could ride my bike a little bit. And I kind of hate to admit, but there were these big green caterpillars. And I had made this game that I would run over them when I was riding my bike. And my mom saw me doing that. And she said, stop doing that. There's a plan for them. They turn into something, you know, so beautiful if you would just let them live. And so another day we were in the same park. I saw a cocoon in a tree and I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, oh, mom, what's that? And she said, remember those caterpillars that I told you to stop running over? One of them is inside of there now. And I don't remember how long it took, but I remember like every day when we went to the park, I would go to this bush and look for this cocoon. And I actually caught the day that the butterfly was coming out and I wanted to help it. And she was like, no, you cannot help it. If you help it, it will not survive because coming out of the cocoon, it gets to use its wings, it builds up its strength. And if you open the cocoon for them, it will never build that strength. And so that came to mind when you were speaking about how we wanna save our loved ones. We, we do it because we love them. And like you pointed out before, sometimes because we love so much, we can get in God's way. Like we, we think rescuing them is, is the way to love them. And sometimes it's not rescuing them. It's letting them build their own strength to make it through their own trial is the exactly. best way that we can that we can love them. And so if we rescue them from their consequences, then the consequences never get to teach them how to do better or how to be better. So if you if you let the consequences take its course, then you're really able to really help that person set themselves free. And that's the best gift that you can ever give them. But I never forgot, like you can't, you can't open that cocoon for them or that butterfly will never get strength in its wings. And that's what came to mind when you spoke about this mother and her son. Another thing that comes to mind, and I wanna just take the time to kind of plug this in here, especially because a lot of us learned a lot of things about ourselves and our family, uh, being in quarantine, going through the pandemic, being in your home we did. We did. <laughs> constantly. Well, one thing I discovered is that um, I had had a few surgeries and I was prescribed like some really heavy medication, but I don't often take it, but I was also was not discarding it. So I would be prescribed it. I might take one or two pills. Some of them I never took any, but they were all in my medicine cabinet in my bathroom. Well, during the pandemic, I actually had an injury and I needed one of those pills. And I was like, well, good thing I don't have to go to the hospital because, you know, that it really wasn't a good time to need to go. Um, right. I said, I know they're just going to give me like this muscle relaxer or something. And I have some. Went to look. I had like, I don't even know, it was several, at least 10 empty bottles that had medication in it that someone had taken. I was horrified because I'm a very private person. So typically the only people I've had in my house were close friends and family. And so I'm freaking out, like there is someone in my close circle that needs help of some sort uh, for all of these bottles to be empty. 
Um, and the only other people who had been in there were like people who came to install certain things here and there. So I still have no idea who did that, but I was horrified. And so I was looking for a way to kind of keep this from happening again. Like how do you properly dispose of it? And I know this is a little bit off topic, but this I think is important to share it, especially now during uh, this time. Um, but I found out when you get prescribed these medications, you can ask at the pharmacy counter for this packet that they'll give you, that it for whatever you don't use, you put this powder in there, you add water to it, and it kind of destroys it so that no one can use it in, in a way that's harmful, harmful to themselves. And then you can discard it, you can throw it away. So it doesn't get in the sewage system and the water system or anything, you don't flush them. You put this water in it, you put that packet in it, and, and you protect yourself and, and someone else. So I just wanted to put that out there for anyone who, uh, has any of these pills that you're not using, you know, you just never know. I never would have guessed that anyone would have been in my home taking medication like that. Uh, I really just felt uh, compassion towards whoever that was. Because like you said before, when we get in situations like that, it's usually a mental Ill illness where we're trying to self-medicate. Um, they're not, you know, we're not bad people when we go through something like that. We're, we're having a bad time and we don't know how to deal with it and we deal with it the best way that we can. How have you leveraged your own journey in creating this community that helps other people? What inside of your own journey have you been able to add in your own unique way to helping people who are struggling? Well, as a child, I was a scholar, mm -hmm. member of the National Honor Society. I was a member of Who's Who. I was an active member of church and of uh, various communities, lodges, YMCA, and all of those things. I was a, 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 a basketball player, an All-American basketball player. Mm -hmm. And added to that list, I was a drug user. I was an active drug addict at age 14. Mm -hmm. I got high on a Wednesday night. And, and subsequently, I got high all day, every day for the next 28 years. Oh, my. And I was a mid-level manager. I was what uh, referred to as a functioning addict. Mm -hmm. I thought that I had fooled everybody. I wore a suit every day. I was the boss, a mid-level manager in the corporation. Mm -hmm. And I was a daily drug user that spent millions and millions of dollars on drugs. Mm -hmm. So again, remember I told you I am my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And that uh, learning process and that forgiving process because we have to learn about self-forgiveness. Shame, guilt, and remorse can cause us all a lot of problems and keep us failing to provide or even believe in or seek courage. Yeah. Uh, instead, what we do is we let the shame and the history of what we consider failure uh, to keep us and hold us back. But it is through the trials of our failures, as we talked about, that allows uh, success. 
And I do a lot of speaking um, nationwide. And one of the things I talk about is my history as a substance abuser. Mm -hmm. And that history uh, tends to get people's attention because my story, frankly, is so bizarre that people tend to feel like, well, if he can do that, as crazy as he was, then I've got hope. And a lot of people don't understand that it's a lot of times uh, it's not a moral failure. It's a mental condition. Uh, in the 12 steps, the second step says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, sanity is a lack of sound judgment. Basically, you're crazy. You're doing something that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so you have to learn uh, to uh, forgive yourself, forgive others. I mean, it's like getting mad at somebody because they got cancer, uh, yeah. because they came down with bronchitis. You're going to get upset with them? No, you have to grant them the same love and courage you would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Right. And these are the things we have to know. And it was funny that you talked about the bottles and the collections. They do have programs where you can take uh, the police will several times a year have collection sites where you can take your, your used medicine to give it. And people don't understand, especially sometimes elderly people, uh, that the teenagers in their lives are using them uh, for party favors. They're going to their house and they're hitting their bottles like people did with you possibly. And what they're doing is they're contributing to the delinquency of other people. Mm -hmm. So we are our brother's keepers. We have to learn to be honest. Uh, we have to confess our sins one to another. And we can't let what happened be something that holds us back. It should be something that supports us and holds us up. Right. And you brought up a really powerful point that it's, you know, the guilt and the shame and all of the lack of self-forgiveness, self-compassion, self-love that can drive uh, a lot of self-medication, attempts to self-medicate. Uh, what would be the first step that you would give someone? If I were coming to you and I was saying, I'm self-medicating, I feel like I have reached the bottom of the barrel, I have no place else to go, what would be the first step? that I would take in order to start to get to the point where I can forgive myself and move forward? Honesty is always the first step. Mm -hmm. First thing you got to admit is that you got a problem mm -hmm. um, and that you are not going to fix it. Mm. Our biggest fault, I believe, as human beings is we want to fix everything. Mm -hmm. I don't want help. I don't want my mama to tell me nothing as a child. Yeah. I want to learn how to do whatever it is I'm trying to do on my own. I don't want the preacher talking to me at church. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything other than me to fix it. But I have to understand that I am not uh, all powerful or all knowing, yeah. you know, most people feel like they know everything and it's within their power to overcome everything. And thus doing so, 
we exclude the need of others and we exclude the blessing of allowing others to help us. A lot of times, you know, you people talk about don't block my blessing. Yeah. You know, uh, you want, let me take you to get something to eat. No, that's all right. My pride gets in the way. I don't want to take a handout. Uh, but the key is, is that there's no shame. You know, I grew up in the ghetto. There was an old saying, there's no shame in my game. Uh -huh. and so I have to understand that there's no shame in accepting help. Yeah. It is actually uh, benefits the giver and the receiver. Yeah. And so for me, it's always just being honest, admitting that I have no power. I can't run nothing and that I am not the one in charge. There is one who has all power, and that's the one I need to find. All right. I like that. And I love how you point out that we, we're, we can't do this alone. There's, we're blessed with resources. We're blessed with other people uh, in order to get through our toughest times. And so you're right. A lot of, and I've, I'm guilty of this. A lot of times pride will get in the way and you won't accept it because you feel like, you know, that would be maybe to admit defeat or you just feel like, no, I got this. I can handle this. And, and there are things that have been put in our power to handle, but there are other things that it, it may take a community and there's nothing wrong with reaching out for that help in whatever form that God is blessing you with that help or whatever form you're, you're led to receive it. So I'd like to say to anyone who lands on this podcast, uh, divinely lands on this podcast and needs that help, there's a reason why you landed here today. And don't second guess it for one minute. If you need help, reach out for that help. It is here for you. And it's not an admission of defeat. Um, you don't have to do this alone. There are people who are equipped to help you and who are wise enough to help you in an effective way. So, Amen. There's the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I love asking this question. There are two questions that I really enjoy asking. So the first one is, what is your favorite quote about fear? I have to think about that. What's the second question? <laughs> the second question is, who would you say was your childhood hero? My childhood hero was my Sunday school teacher who's still alive today. His name is Chester Owens. That's awesome. He was a real person. Mm -hmm. Wasn't Superman. Nobody wore a cape or a badge or anything else. Mm -hmm. And like I said, he treated me as an eight-year-old like I was 25. Mm -hmm. He respected me. He even told me that he respected me. He told me that I was a challenge in his Sunday school class. He said, you ask questions that make me think. And um, throughout his life, we have had a mutual admiration of one another. Mm -hmm. uh, he has been a very effective community leader, mm -hmm. uh, politician, worked with King and many of the civil rights activists, mm -hmm. uh, has been active in the church, in the politics, in the community, in the lives of other people. So Chester Owens was my example. The mm -hmm. quote is, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. 
fear is the hurt. Yes. If I uh, will allow myself to be afraid, I prohibit myself from success. Yes. And so I, uh, I, I thank Chester because he taught me to be fearless. He taught me to seek help from the one that provides help. Yes. So, yeah, that's that's what it was for me. Love that. So thank God for Mr. Owens. Yeah. <laughs> that what an amazing gift to give to someone in their early formative years. Um, for a lot of people, when you're a child, you're kind of pushed to the side, you know, don't speak when adults are speaking. Um, you your opinion doesn't matter. You're not old enough for your opinion to matter like sometimes that is communicated even if not intentionally it's communicated to children and to have an adult look at a child and say i see you i respect you i hear your voice and that's important i think can and can change the course of their entire life um, so what an amazing gift that mr owens gave to say i respect you yes uh, as a child because that's something you know we're told that we have to earn it but we're never allowed to until we get a certain age, if that makes sense. So a lot of yeah. times the message gets gets lost in the journey somewhere because of that. And this may be the same person, but I always ask, who would you like to thank for the impact that they've had on your life? My grandmother. Awesome. I was, uh, I had a tragic, uh, traumatic uh, childhood even though I had Chester Owens. Mm -hmm. uh, my father cut my mama's throat in the hospital the day I was born. Uh, he questioned uh, if he was my parent. Mm -hmm. And uh, had she not been in the hospital, she wouldn't have lived. Mm -hmm. After going through that experience, once released from the hospital, I was left at the babysitter's. I'd been there three days. My diaper was soiled, my milk was sour, and I weighed less than I did the day I was born. Hmm. And uh, my grandmother came and got me. Uh, my grandmother was actually my step-grandmother. She wasn't grandmother of origin. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was an amazing woman. I mean, to the point where she... Uh, she did just, she set the example that I live by even today. One of her favorite sayings was, reach for the moon, you might get the stars. And I thought that meant that, you know, go for the big deal, if not, you get a little bit. But then I found out the stars were further away than the moon. So by reaching for the moon, I could attain something even greater than what I pursued. She told me, when you pray, move your feet. Mm -hmm. She always, he that buys what he does not need will often need what he cannot buy. Mm -hmm. She had a saying for everything. When I was a young child at age uh, 14 in the eighth grade, the Kansas, the University of Kansas uh, College had a music and art camp where people that did music and sang and, and did art were invited from all over the world. Some of the best students from all over the world were invited to come to this six-week camp at, held at the college. And it was very, very, very expensive. Uh, one day, 
in the summer of the seventh grade, my grandmother told me, get up, boy, pack your bags. And so I did what I was told. We drove 30 miles to Lawrence, Kansas. And she walked in, she says, who's in charge? And she found the guy and she told him, this is my grandson. He lives in a neighborhood that is full of temptation and danger. Mm -hmm. It says, I need him to have something worthwhile to do. And I don't have any money, I iron for a living, but I will pay you if you will put him in this camp and give him a scholarship. And that day I unpacked my bags and entered the Midwestern Music and Art Camp mm -hmm. and went for three years, only because she decided she was gonna ask. Uh -huh. I was in Boy Scouts, I was in Lodge, I was in the YMCA, I played uh, music as a child. Uh, she gave me every opportunity. And so uh, my grandmother is uh, the source of all good and great things along with Chester Owens. Oh, I love that. What an amazing blessing. A lot went into um, you being here with me today. Yes, we are. Listening to your story um, about the circumstances around even the day that you were born. You know, I used to have a problem. You know, somebody said, that's a night shirt. And I say, oh, this old thing. But, yeah. you know, I had to learn how to just say thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's important to accept who you are and whose you are. Mm -hmm. Because it's not what I did. It's what was done on my behalf. Yes. Yeah. And I thank you. Uh, you are a, an amazing coach, uh, especially a little bit uh, jealous because you're so young. You know, <laughs> it took me a long time. When I was your age, I was still active as a drug user. Mm. Uh, I was lost. Mm -hmm. So to see you doing what you're doing and to hear the advice that you're giving other people is a true blessing and a gift. Uh, I wish you the, the best. Thank you so much. And, and our favorite word of the day, that was that too was divine. <laughs> something that God did. That yes. was all him. Even when uh, in the seasons where I was angry and frustrated with him and in the seasons where I pushed, pushed back and even questioned belief in him, he was there every step of the way. And yes. it's all divine. Thank you so much. So I'd like to thank all of our guests for listening in today. Are there any closing remarks that you'd like to leave with our listeners before we close out? Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't once again invite anyone and everyone uh, to look up U.S. United States Community Care Resource Council, usccrc.com. Volunteer, become a community giver. Uh, the politicians can't do it by themselves, nor can the preachers. Mm -hmm. We need the people. People, politicians, and preachers united can make the world a better place. And so that's what I'd like to leave everyone with. Find your place in the puzzle and uh, give us a try. 
Indeed. And I'd like to add to that, that there is a, a rule of reciprocity that goes in with that. So if you're, if you're at your wit's end and you don't know what to do, sometimes helping someone else can alleviate that. And in helping someone else, you also help yourself. It, it puts you in a different mindset, gets you out of your own head and into the game, if you will. And before you know it, you're, you're loving life again. You're helping someone else and the gift of reciprocity serves you, helps you as well. So what a perfect uh, opportunity to reach out. Like he said, there's no charge. It's something you can sign up for. You decide what it is you want to do, how much of your time and your resources that you can give. And I would imagine that there is no help that's too small, whatever you can do to, to help move the community forward. So to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. I've had very special guests with me, Mr. Carl Berry, and all of his wisdom and this divine moment, I hope has been a blessing to you. If you'd like more information on Fear to Fortitude coaching, please visit fear2fortitude.com today. Thank you. Thank you.